There was a time when nobody confused the Middle East with the United States of America. Those times have changed, and those times are the subject of today's World News Brief. I'm Bob Siegel, your host for this week. It's always good to be with you, but it's not too good for our country right now. Naturally, there is hope. Yes, we can always put our hope in God and perhaps in a few of the brave individuals whom God may be using right now. For example, GOP Representative Jim Jordan, the Republican from Ohio, tweeted about something else going on in Ohio, specifically the derailing of a train in East Palestine, Ohio, and its lightning speed skillful response by Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg. Jordan suggested that Buttigieg's hiring wasn't a good idea, and he has no transportation experience. Well, obviously, that's the understatement of three centuries, but these days, with the truth in such short supply caving into the narrative of the left and the woke of the left and the weirdness of the left, even an understated truth comes across as a breath of fresh air. We've all heard the story by now, not only about a horrible train crash, but a controlled release and burning, supposedly controlled, of chemicals taken from debris... And that was done to curtail an explosion. Residents were evacuated before the chemical release. They have since been allowed to return. They have not exactly enjoyed themselves since the return. Neither are they experiencing a premium quality of life. This from the administration concerned about our environment to the point of shoving the Green New Deal down our throats and down our gas tanks and down the regulation pipe, not to be confused with the Keystone Pipe, the regulation pipe designed to flush capitalism out of business. Now, in all fairness to Pete's boss, Joe Biden, he probably isn't really doing anything here other than what he's told. But whoever the puppet masters are, the puppet does speak. He moves his lips like a dummy and a ventriloquist at the same time. I will be out there at some point, Biden told reporters. Wow, the little town slept well after hearing those words. Maybe Biden will tell the deadly chemicals to give the town a break. There are probably reasons he feels he wasn't able to make the trip right away. When hearing about Palestine from his advisors and when hearing about Congressman Jordan's criticism, Biden probably thought they were talking about the Middle East country of Jordan, criticizing his handling of the Middle East Palestinians. In fact, frankly, this administration has been kinder and more helpful to the Middle East Palestinians than to the citizens of Palestine, Ohio. Well, serves them right. Those Ohio Palestinians were heavy in their votes for Trump. The Middle East Palestinians only vote in people like Hamas and other purveyors of peace. And speaking of Trump, Trump visited East Palestine before the Biden administration. Well, we can't have that. So Pothole Pete finally made an appearance of his own, as described here by Fox News. While finally visiting the residents of East Palestine, Ohio, after the catastrophic train derailment that occurred there nearly three weeks ago, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg made an unfortunate pun that amused Twitter users. 
While the Biden administration official addressed the residents of the Ohio town as well as the press on Thursday, he apparently forgot his point mid-sentence and admitted to his audience that he lost his train of thought. That was from Fox News. I guess I would be wasting your time pointing out the irony of this pun. It hasn't exactly gone unnoticed. Yeah, Pete, we're forced to agree. Keeping track of trains obviously isn't your greatest skill. Neither is keeping trains on tracks. Exactly what you are skilled at, I'm sure I don't know. Neither does Biden. Neither does anyone else in his administration. You weren't picked because of your experience, Pete. Why do I say that? Because you have no experience. At least none that your earlier job as mayor demonstrated. But then, the Biden administration was interested only in picking people who are insulated from criticism, and this makes you a valuable commodity. We're not allowed to criticize you because you're gay and you're married to another man. End of story. Nothing else to see here, folks. Not that your lifestyle is any of my business. It's not. You can do whatever you want. But one of the things you wanted was to make it our business by going out of your way to emphasize this during the 2020 campaign. And Democrats are great at symbolism over substance. That's why our vice president, who, like our president, isn't exactly the sharpest tool in the shed, is also protected because to criticize her... We are showing racism. Racism because she's black. And we are showing sexism. Sexism because she's a woman. That's two for one. That's also a pack of nonsense. I will continue to criticize her. And for one reason only, she's a lousy vice president and she would be a nightmarish president. I don't mind a woman president. I supported Michelle Bachman. And I have supported several African-American candidates over the years, including Herman Cain and Ben Carson. And I would be absolutely delighted to have a president who is both African-American and female. If Candace Owen were to run, I'd vote for her in a heartbeat. But then... Owen is an intelligent person with genuine convictions, not a blithering idiot with no moral compass. And while as a Christian I am not in agreement with same-sex lifestyles, that would not keep me from voting for a gay person so long as he or she is actually qualified. You see, in politics we work with people who come together for a few common important issues, mostly regarding public safety. Other than that, the government shouldn't have that wide of a net. We don't have to agree 100% regarding lifestyle and ideology or religious conviction. We need to agree on some things in the same church, but out in politics and the political world, we don't have to agree with everything. So my problem with Buttigieg is not that he's gay. It's just that I'm not going to refrain from criticizing him simply because He's gay. The man should not only be answering for train wrecks. The man's record as Secretary of Transportation is a train wreck. Actually, in all fairness, there is one thing he does well, and this is a skill he shares with his fellow Democrats. They are all great at the card game Pinochle. 
You know, the game where you play your trump cards and every time the Dems are in a jam, they play the trump card they and their media surrogates. Like in Buttigieg's interview with MSNBC's Joy Reid, she asked about Trump's visit to the town of Palestine, suggesting that his rollback of regulations contributed to the accident. These are her words. You know, the sort of theatrics of Donald Trump being in Palestine were odd, but this is a community that voted overwhelmingly for him. The county that Palestine is in voted 71 to 29 for Donald Trump. I want you to reflect on the irony. In 2016, it was 68-26. This is a Trump county. What do you make of the fact that he went there despite the fact that the regulations he rolled back were partly responsible for this tragedy? This is what Reed asked Buttigieg. And Buttigieg was delighted with the softball pitch. He said in response, We're constrained by law on some areas of rail regulation, like the breaking rule withdrawn by the Trump administration in 2018 because of a law passed by Congress in 2015, but we are using the powers we do have to keep people safe. Yeah, safety. That's all they care about. Our safety. Try explaining that to the residents of East Palestine, Ohio. Try explaining that to any American who had their surgery postponed in 2020 because COVID had become the politically correct disease and any sensible way of dealing with COVID became the politically incorrect cure. Actually, Pete, the only power you're using is the power of excuse. So the Trump administration rolled back a regulation. That was the problem. That? Really? Well, if that was the problem, why didn't your administration do anything about repealing the repeal? It's not like President-select Biden doesn't improvise his own laws without going through Congress, such as forgiving student loans. But back to safety. Continuing with the subject of safety, here's another report from Fox News. A new scientific review suggests that widespread masking may have done little to nothing to curb the transmission of COVID. Oh, you think? Nah. All right, the article continues. When comparing the use of medical surgical masks to wearing no masks, the review found that wearing a mask may make little to no difference in how many people caught a flu-like illness, COVID-like illness, nine studies, 276,917 people, and probably makes little or no difference in how many people have flu, COVID, confirmed by a laboratory test, six studies, 13,919 people. The review, titled Physical Interventions to Interrupt or Reduce the Spread of Respiratory Viruses, was led by 12 researchers from esteemed universities around the world. And that was another report from Fox News. I should tell you that experts are also admitting that natural immunity is superior to the vaccines that people were forced to take in order to keep their jobs, and that lockdowns didn't work. They caused more physical harm. They caused emotional harm. So how soon before we get an apology from the governors and mayors who enacted these shutdowns? Well, I wouldn't hold your breath. You had enough difficulty breathing when you were wearing a mask like wearing a badge. The truth is, this was never about your safety. 
They wanted an excuse to make everyone dress in uniform, submissive ways. They wanted an excuse to close down small businesses and churches because less competitive business makes you more dependent on the government. Remember how the big chains like Walmart and Costco were allowed to stay open, but the little mom and pop stores were not deemed essential services? And remember how churches were not essential, but strip clubs were allowed to stay open? That's because the church, voluntary compromising from many of our pastors today notwithstanding, is one of the few places where you will hear a narrative that challenges the status quo. You weren't finding any pushback or challenge from the major social media networks or the mainstream media. You certainly weren't finding it in our public schools or our universities or the CDC or big-name hospitals. Everywhere we look, every direction we walk, every place we turn our heads, we see the channeling of government talking points. That's why the church is a threat. Did you know there's a case going before the Supreme Court right now because the government wants to start making postal workers work on Sundays, which means they can't go to church? Look, if you've been following my teaching, you already know I don't believe church has to meet on Sunday, and I never did. However, if somebody does believe that, and most people do, and if based on that belief historically Sunday has become a convenient day because that's a day most people do get off, one has to wonder, one has to ask why we need the postal service on Sunday. So that we can get an extra day of the week from them to screw up your mail? Six days a week of their incompetent service isn't enough? Actually, I have no problem with the mailmen themselves. They have a hard job. They do their job well. They should get paid extra just because of all the barking German shepherds they deal with. But inside the post office, when you need to go in there yourself for assistance, where prior to standing in line, you'd be well served to pitch a tent and break out a Coleman lantern. You know what I'm talking about. The guy behind the counter who just walks away the moment he's done with the person in front of you. The moment it's your turn, just casually strolls away. He doesn't even bother to tell you that he'll be right back because he won't be right back. He's not planning on coming right back. It's his arbitrary break. He just feels like walking away and he has a cushy government job. So what are they going to do? Well, they'll make him stop going to church, but they won't be able to do anything else. Anyway, love the post office or hate the post office. My point is that anyone working for the post office or any government job or any job whatsoever is entitled to go to church. Oh, sure, with some services like police or doctors, we need somebody on call. But how many from those communities don't go to church anyway? And even those who do, there could be a trade-off. There could be a rotation. There are ways to work this out. There have always been ways to work this out if somebody wants it to work. But to just tell somebody that he can't take the day off ever with church being an excuse? This is probably something you have not been hearing in the news. Hardly anybody is talking about it. But the ACLJ is reading from their website right now. Your right to go to church is under attack at the Supreme Court. President Biden is eroding religious liberty, emboldening anti-Christian extremists to attack your faith. Even your right to go to church on Sunday is under fire. The U.S. Postal Service, USPS, has begun forcing postal workers to work on Sunday. In fact, 
the USPS refused to give a postal worker an accommodation to continue going to church on Sunday, which he had always done. And a federal court ruled that he has no right to go to church. We're fighting back at the Supreme Court. Church is essential, and our federal and constitutional rights to religious liberty must be protected. If they can block you from going to church, what's next? This case will not only affect your right to go to church, but also every religious accommodation and expression in the workplace for years to come. This is a monumental case. I was just reading from the website of the ACLJ. Of course, our government's real purpose is to close down not all churches, just conservative churches, churches with a narrative other than their own, they want to tell you what you're allowed to think about God. They want to tell you what you're allowed to think about science, about abortion, about definitions of male and female, about global warming, about disease. They want to control what you drive, what you eat, what you drink, what you smoke, what kind of currency you use. But the truth is they don't really care about any of those issues. Neither do they believe for one moment the drivel that comes out of their mouths. If they cared about the environment, they would have responded to the train derailment and chemical danger far more quickly. If they cared about carbon footprints, they wouldn't be flying all over the world in private jets to lecture on the subject when they could get together just as easily with a Zoom meeting, the way they forced all of us on Zoom in 2020 when they closed the whole country down. And they understand quite well that if Saudi Arabia drills for oil and China ignores admission standards, it won't make a hill of beans of difference what we do or do not do in America other than the fact that it gives them more control over our lives. But again, that's all they want. Control. Why, you ask? What's in it for them? What drives this? Well, you don't drive it. Soon you won't be driving anything anymore. If talking about safety of an individual is not their true purpose, if talking points about the safety of the planet is not their true purpose, if the protected feelings of a 300-pound 60-year-old man who wants to identify himself as a 120-pound 18-year-old girl is not their true purpose, then what exactly is their purpose? It's too simple to say that it's a Marxist agenda. Oh yeah, that's part of it. That's definitely part of it. But even that doesn't explain everything because those who head up Marxist or communist states never live the way they force the population to live, which means they don't really believe in the philosophy of redistribution. Oh, they will pit rich against poor and demonize the rich, but they love being rich themselves. Oh, they talk about the little guy, but once in power, they love the fact that you are the little guy and they are the big guy. You see, what it really gets back to is human nature. The Bible said this years ago, it's called sin. Everyone is guilty of sin, regardless of political affiliation or skin color or sexual preference. It's about sin. That is our joint inheritance. That's what it says in the Bible. That's why they don't want you studying the Bible. That's why they don't want you going to church and hearing sermons that are actually based on the Bible. There was a time in history when the world designated some people as kings and some people as peasants. Peasants and kings. Kings never lived like peasants. Neither did queens or princes or dukes or any royalty. 
But now we live in the modern, civilized 21st century. No politician today is going to claim he wants to be a king and that the rules for you therefore don't apply to him. No, they won't admit that, but they will live that. Like Governor Newsom when he ate at a French restaurant without a mask, without social distancing, while other restaurants were closed down or forced to eat outdoors. Or when Mayor Lori Lightfoot, making it against the law to get a haircut for the sake of COVID safety, but then getting a haircut herself, and when asked why, said, I'm in the public eye. And while they take your guns away, they have armed security guards. And while they talk about open borders, they live behind walled mansions. My friends, make no mistake, our republic is turning into a monarchy. It won't be called a monarchy, at least not at first. Right now, it's not fashionable for monarchs to admit that they want to be monarchs. So they invent Green New Deals and concerns about separation between church and state and concerns about sensitive speech and patronizing lectures about never offending anyone. But their real agenda is to destroy your freedom of expression, which destroys your individuality because they want you to be a thoughtless, mindless, submissive hasn't so that they can live the superior life. They want to pass laws that they don't have to live by precisely because that kind of vast gulf between them and you is an aphrodisiac to them. And if the day ever comes when the rest of us lose so much democracy and so much representative government in our republic and so much control that they no longer have to hide their true feelings, they might just come out and say, why do you wear a mask and not me? Why are you banned from a fancy restaurant and not me? Why are you riding on horseback while I drive cars and fly in planes? Because you are a peasant, and I am a king. Deal with it. Eat your heart out. In all fairness, they might not ever use the word king. Chairman or fearer might be sufficient. And that's today's episode of World News Brief. I'll return where I started. There is hope, but the hope comes from God, and the courage comes from God. The courage to say, enough, we won't stand for this anymore. Remember, and let me say this once again, cowardice is not the only thing that's contagious. Courage is contagious too. This is Bob Siegel making the obvious obvious. Obvious.